0: And then Julie and I lead one in our home for newly marrieds. If you've been married less than 50 years and you want to be part of a newly married Bible study class, we'd love to have you. We're having a good time there. But there are Bible studies going on for any age group, any, uh, any group. We just want you growing in your relationship with the Lord. Wednesday nights, we have an adult Bible study in here that I lead. Men, Tuesday morning, we have a men's Bible study that starts at 630 in the morning. Uh, in case you're missing the theme, we're trying to bring all believers to spiritual maturity and then some into leadership. And that is a vision for you and and a passion for you. Lots of opportunities, so please ask God to direct your heart and where you can plug in and grow. Uh, I am going to ask our our Brazil team to come up right now. And uh, uh, most of them are wearing blue shirts, I see. Uh, Not all of them will be here. Some go to other churches, and their names are in here as well. We want you to be praying for them. Um, How long have we been doing Brazil trips? Cecil Jackson used to leave. Pam, why don't you come on up here? Since 05. Pam, why don't you share with them, because I know you love to talk. Pam's going to start with a small song in Portuguese, and then <laughs> Pam loves to get up in front of the church and talk. So, Pam, why don't you just share what you're planning on, what's going on this week?
1: Okay. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I wasn't prepared this for this, but, you know, I'm, I'm never short for words, especially about Brazil. Um, we will be leaving. Um, there, there are two parts of the team. We have to go, part of us Dallas, part of us Houston, We'll meet up in Miami and then travel to Manaus. Um, we are traveling once again, if the Lord is willing. Uh, we will work with Saturay mawe tribes in uh, on the Andara River. And um, these, these tribes have their own language. And um, some of the villages we will visit um, are hearing the gospel for the very first time. And you guys all have a part of that. So this is the real deal. This is like Discovery Channel, and it's incredible. Um, or... But um, it, it's, it, it's an amazing adventure, but we cherish your prayers at this point because there are so many things that can go awry um, if the enemy has his way. So please be in prayer for us starting um, now, but uh, for sure Thursday as um, we embark, and we'll be gone until about the 29th. But um, we, we again pray that we can share the gospel with as many people in the world as possible and um, that's one person at a time so thanks for your prayers thanks for your gifts your donations we have so much stuff that we still have a room full and we're going to share with guatemala and um thanks again so we've been going since 05 from carpenter's way so how many years that is i'm a physical therapist i don't, I don't
0: she know. looks pretty good for 102 huh <laughs> all right so here's what i want you to do uh Robert, a few of you, will you guys go down that aisle? A few of you, will you go down the middle, and Pam and Kevin and somebody go down that one? Here's what I'd like you to do. Look, this is not, a, we pray for each other, we lift each other up, we send each other out. This group are as much missionary as you can be over the next uh, couple weeks. So would you, Carpenter's Way, would you stand up, please? If you're visiting with us, just bear, bear with us. Would you go to the group nearest you, put a hand on their shoulder, we're going to pray for them or the shoulder of someone in front of you. If you're visiting and this is uncomfortable for you or you're not physically able, just stay where you're at. That's okay. Organize chaos. But we're going to pray for them right now. All right. Let's uh, let's let's pray. John, I'm going to ask you. John S, will you pray real loud, and then I'm going to pray after you're done. So listen, because he doesn't have a mic. So pray, John. Amen. All right, you can make your way back to your seats. Uh, and I am going to pray for our offering. so if our ushers can make their way up front at this time. One of the cool things about the mission trips at Carpenter's Way is we never want money to be a reason you can't go. And so as you start thinking next year, I know we're doing Brazil again, right? Pam and Kevin? Of course. So uh, Brazil will be happening. Guatemala will be happening again in a year. And uh, as we as you pray for these people, ask God if he'd have you to go, and don't let money keep you from going. We, uh, we pour a lot into missions here as a church. About 15% of our budget goes towards missions, full-time and part-time, or, or short-term. And it is our privilege to help the gospel travel the globe through the ministries and missions that we send people on. So let's, uh, let's ask the Lord to bless our time. One more thing. If you're visiting this morning, we ask that you not give. This is for those who attend regularly. We don't want you distracted by money. We're just honored that you'd be with us this morning. So let's pray. Father, I thank you uh, for what you allow us to do as a church family. I thank you for the young men and women that you have called out of this place to serve you full time. Uh, Lord, we ask you for Matthew Colbertson this morning as he's ministering to the gentleman in jail, we pray, or prison, we pray that you would give him clarity of thinking as he preaches your word, that lives would be affected. Father, we... Uh, I pray this morning also for Josh Ferguson as he's uh, on a naval base this morning discipling uh, young men and women who will be serving our country full time. Father, I pray for Cassidy this morning as she's in Haiti that you would protect her from the riots that are going on in that place, that you would wrap your arms of protection around her and in the chaos she would be as effective as uh, as anybody could ever imagine that she will draw young men and women to you that she would be able to encourage their walk with you. Uh, She is truly a woman of faith. Lord, for those who are going to Brazil this week, keep them safe as they travel and as they're there and bring them back to us. May many come to know you through them. Father, we pray for Zach this morning as he opens your word. Uh, I pray, Father, that he would feed our souls through your word. I pray that the ideas and thoughts of Zach would would fade to the background so that the word of God would endure and transform those of us who know you. Mm -hmm. And if there's anyone today who does not know you as their dad, I pray that today would be the day of their adoption, where their sin would be forgiven and their lives transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that we get to gather here every week. We pray for those who are in this room as well as on the Internet that your Holy Spirit who lives within them and around them would speak to them in ways they couldn't possibly deny that it's God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: worship with us, more than welcome.
0: before God for my hope is in him he alone is my rock and my salvation my fortress where I will not be shaken my victory and honor come from God alone he is my refuge my rock where no enemy can reach me oh my people trust in him at all times pour out your heart to him for God is our refuge
2: At your name, the mountains shake from forth. At your name, the oceans roll and tumble. At your name, you are who you say you are, we're blown away, Lord, that you allow people like us into your presence. And you don't just allow us, you call us, you call us your kids. God, we fix our eyes on you. We say thank you. We say thank you. We say thank you, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would just speak to us through your word this morning. In
3: Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Gosh, I love that song. Uh, I, for those of you who don't know, uh, I am Zach Wilkie. Uh, I, I grew up at this church. I am the pastor's kid. You've seen me run through this church. You've seen me bounce on the chairs in this church. <laughs> most of you have yelled at me in this church. <laughs> so, uh, I, and it is a privilege to be with you this morning. You know, that song, I, I'm so glad we sang it this morning. If, if Most of you guys maybe know this, but to those of you who don't, I'm an illusionist, and I know that's really unique, but I have the privilege each summer to be out at Piney Woods Camp up in Grofton, and uh, actually, it's in a small town named Woodlake. If you even half blink, you'll miss it. But it's Piney Woods Camp, and I have the privilege of being out there and emceeing and doing tricks. And the worship leader this past week has been doing that song. And gosh, I forgot how good it is. Gosh, I forgot how good it is. It is one of my favorite songs. Um, Dad wanted me to mention this. You know, it, Those of you, you know, who do know that I'm out at camp um, know kind of what I do. But um, I kind of want to share my heart for kind of what that is. Um, I don't just do magic tricks out there. Uh, I, what we get to do out there is, is, is pour into a 1,000 students' lives through tricks, through organizing worship, through um, setting up a time for students to throw away their phones <laughs> and focus entirely on the word. I felt called to the ministry at church camp. Um, I surrendered my life at church camp. Uh, a lot <laughs> has happened at church camp. And, and, and it's so cool, Like pre-teen student, the preteen camp, students are wearing their t-shirts right now. Last week, youth camp was wearing theirs camp, you know, it's not just something we do because we want to have a vacation. It is an intense, amazing ministry that God uses. Just this past week, dozens of students out at Piney Woods accepted Christ. The week before that, dozens. Um, It is an amazing, amazing thing what happens when you separate yourself a little bit from the distractions and focus on God's Word. And so it's really cool to be able to be out there and get out of a (laughs) straitjacket for a bunch of people, but it is really neat to see God work in the lives of of those students. Um, I am so excited for this morning. Uh, if any of you know me and have ever heard me, you know how hyped I get. And so you can imagine, in being that we're in Philippines this morning, I am crazy hyped. We're gonna have an amazing, amazing morning. But I do want to ask something that my dad asked, something that a professor always taught me in my time at Moody is that um, nothing of substance will happen this morning outside of the work of the Holy Spirit. Nothing. And so I ask for that reason, as we move forward in, into this kind of this spiritual exercise of just diving into the Word together as a family, I ask that you pray with me in a moment, and I ask that you pray for me. Uh, I am a fallen, you know, human, just like everyone else, and, and what we want to do here is, is dive into God and grow closer with Him together. And so I ask that you pray with me and for me as I preach um, throughout this sermon. So can we pray? Bring this to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we uh, first thank you for this time. God, I ask right now that whatever distractions may be in this room, that you, you, you help us cast them aside, like we do at church camp. God, help us focus on your word this morning. For, for those in here that are coming in with baggage, exhaustion, or perhaps even frustration in you, I pray that you help us um, see your beauty, your glory, your majesty. God, let us see the, the joy of pursuing the prize of faith. And God, help us learn that while you're not always safe, you are good. Uh, God, speak through me, um, reduce me, and increase you. And uh, let this time be an awesome time to glorify yourself. We love you. We thank you. Amen. Well, I picked up a few things in Chicago. I know most of you in here are like, oh, you're that Yankee. You better be careful. I picked up a few things in Chicago. First was, the best pizza is from Chicago. And the only reason anyone ever says otherwise is because they haven't had deep dish pizza. They're like, ah, oh, New York style is better. Have you been to Chicago? No? Then go to Pizza Hut, for, cry, like, for crying's sake. Like, don't, no. Deep dish is the best pizza from Giordano's on Rush Street in Chicago, okay? You gotta go to Rush, you gotta get the water. The water, the Chicago water is what makes the dough, okay? I also learned that, that, that Chicago makes the best hot dogs on the face of the planet, okay? Now you're like, it's just a hot dog. No, no, no. God can redeem that. The best hot dogs are from Chicago, okay? They put peppers and a huge dill pickle and tomatoes and, like, things you didn't even know could go on a hot dog. They put on a hot dog. I also became a coffee snob in Chicago. Chicago spoiled me. Y'all, I didn't even know, like, there were so many different types of coffees and, like, brewing methods. And Dad makes fun of me, but I am a coffee snob. Like, I, I prefer it to be at 205 degrees because if it's a little too hot, then you're going to burn the ground. If it's a little too not hot, then you're going to get muddy water, and that's gross. Ain't nobody wants that. So I love coffee, and Chicago has the best coffee, okay? I also learned something else. The best organization on the face of the athletic world are the Chicago Cubs. The best, and all right, I know you got some, I know you got some Dallas, I... We beat you to it, though, so, hey, here's the thing, I know some of y'all are like, Dallas Cowboys is a great organization, they just have money, that's all y'all have, okay? The Chicago Cubs fought for 107 years to acquire, 107, something like that, to acquire a World Series championship, and let me tell you why they're the best, okay? I fell in love with the Chicago Cubs the first time I went to a Cubs game, because Cubs fans are like no other, okay? Okay? They are absolutely committed, like crazy committed, to the Chicago Cubs. It could be possibility of snowing and freezing. If a, if a game is still scheduled to be on, they will be at the game. They will skip work, and you'll have a CEO of like, Google and the trash man sitting right next to each other, okay? It doesn't matter where you come from, everyone comes together under the Chicago Cubs, okay? Now, the fans are so committed, they waited 107 years for a championship, Harry Carey knew what was coming. He knew what was coming. He announced it in the 80s. 2016 was the victory. But... <laughs> they are so convinced... I, I remember I had, I had friends who were Chicago Cubs fans before they won the series, and they're like, this is our year, this is our year. And it was in 2016. And then after they won this past year, they're like, hey, it may not be this year, but it's coming next year. But I know, Chicago Cubs are so committed that they will wait another 107 years if they have to for another World Series championship even though next year's the year, but that's a different discussion. But here's, as I was thinking about this sermon, and I got distracted with some Cubs highlights, uh, I was thinking about Cubs fans, and I thought, you know, what would it look like if we were as crazy about Christ as Cubs fans were about the Cubs? Like, Like, I know Cubs fans, and they would be willing to drop anything and fly anywhere to convince you why the Cubs are the best team in the world whether you disagree or not they won't go anywhere in the world to prove to you why they're the best they are so committed to the cubs what would it look like if we were so focused on pursuing the prize of god the prize of faith that we were willing to drop everything and say you know what let me convince you why this christ thing is the ultimate end like what would change how would we treat our families? How would we treat work? How would we treat our, our, our children? What would change in the way we treat one another if we are so committed, so devoted, rain, snow, whatever, that, that, that nothing gets in the way of pursuing the prize of faith? Well, that's what I wanna look at today in Philippians 3. I am very, very excited about this. And, you know, and, and, and let me go ahead and say, I'm not suggesting the church should be like a baseball game or a baseball organization under any circumstances, but we're going to look at in Philippians 3 like why it is so necessary to focus on the prize of faith and be entirely committed to Christ because I think too often in the church it's easy to be, not be committed Christians but be just kind of distracted deists who don't really know much about the God that they serve. So I want to look at Philippians 3 today. If you have your Bibles, please turn to verses 12 through 16. Philippians 3, verses 12 through 16. Philippians 3, 12 through 16. I can't, I always say the scripture three times because that was like beat into me in Bible school. You say the scripture three times. Actually, real quick aside, I'm going to do a squirrel moment. Last week, dad said like, y'all can grade me, like on my preaching, which was a really funny moment because if you ever sit in a preaching class, this is what it looks like. I'll say something, you know, turn your Bibles to this, and every student's like this. So if you, the preaching here is really easy because none of you are like getting down and taking notes and adding a grade. So this is actually really fun. So I'm not a student today, so you don't have to grade me, please, by all means. But I said the scripture three times, so if you are grading, there's an A there. There you go, Dr. Neely. Uh, Let's look at this. Verses 12 through 16. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me perfect his own. Brothers, I do not consider myself that I, or consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, and let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Well, as you can see, there's not a whole lot to talk about. <laughs> uh, no, of course I'm joking. I'm a Wilkie. Look, this this text, <laughs> so you guys listen up, this text here is crazy because the Philippian church, uh, this letter to the Philippian church, this epistle, in, in my opinion, is arguably one of the most profound passages we have from Paul. It's one of the most profound passages we have in Paul, and I know that's saying a lot if you've read any of Paul's writings because he's kind of a crazy man, but but this is one of the most uh, profound passages. See, in these four verses we just read, he's completing a thought from the first uh, the first four, verses four through eleven. And in these first verses, he kind of like the song we just sang. Everything else is worth, worthless. Paul is making a point that there is no credential, accolade, accomplishment, achievement. There's nothing that comes close to knowing Christ. And so now he's moving into. The, the verses we just read, but it's important to kind of get this context here. So I'm going to read verses 4 through 11. He says this, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. but that which comes from faith or through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So Paul is just saying, okay, he's like, okay guys, listen up. i I love the church, you know, of Philippi here, but listen up, nothing of substance comes from you. Everything is Christ. And he's saying, now listen up, everything that you think is awesome, you know, being a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, those things that you really kind of cherish, that sense of morality, even that is rubbish compared to knowing Christ. Now this word for rubbish in the Greek, I'm a Greek nerd, this word for rubbish in the Greek is, is, is the word poop, dung. It's about as close to cussing as Paul could get saying everything else is junk compared to knowing Christ. Essentially what Paul is saying there, hey, you you know how you, you cherish being circumcised on the eighth day? You know how I came from the tribe of Benjamin? Yeah, Benjamin. You know how I lived my life perfect as a perfect Hebrew? You know how I was a true Pharisee if there ever was one? You know how I was so devoted to the law that I was willing to persecute the church for their apparent disobedience of the law? You know those things that you guys perhaps, there's a sense that you see as to strive for? Yeah, it's all dung compared to knowing Christ and finding resurrection in in him. And he then goes on to explain how he desires to experience Christ's resurrecting power, willing to throw off anything. He says, by any means possible. Throw off anything. (laughs) To acquire resurrecting power now here's the thing here's what i think is really crazy as we kind of move into this to the text for today if you look at verse one paul says rejoice in the lord always just kind of a quick aside here or rejoice in the lord that's a nice phrase and easily looked over but let's look at where he's writing this from paul's in prison in rome in the praetorium it's a big word but it basically just means a storm cellar it's a little it's a little, uh, a little, cave in the ground, just about big enough maybe to crouch down in. And he's imprisoned in it, and he's writing this letter to the church of Philippi, saying, hey, rejoice in the Lord. Say, hey, I, I, I have nothing to offer God. He's not saying, you know, I'm really suffering right now. Christ kind of owes me a good day. He's saying, rejoice in the Lord. He is suffering in prison, and he's writing this, 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 this letter in the praetorium in a tiny cellar barely enough room to to, to write or enough light to write and he's expressing his joy in Jesus Christ. (laughs) If this guy is not crazy about Christ, like a Cubs fan about the Cubs, I don't know who is. This dude's crazy. And this this catches us up to verse 4 where I want to look today. Verse 4 says this, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So we've got a confession here. We've got a confession of Paul. Paul's saying, you know what? I'm not perfect. Now, this has actually been 30 years after Paul's conversion. And you can imagine, you, get, you guys have read the scriptures, you know how much Paul has had to go through, you know all the things that Paul had to experience, he's had struggle, spiritual exhaustion, persecution, his body's been beat, his mind's been beat, he's his, his been everything, he's experienced so much to be sanctified and grown in Christ, he's experienced so much that you would think this guy is probably as close to perfect as you can be on this side of heaven, but he's saying, you know what, I haven't obtained, perf- obtained perfection. Even 30 years later, he's saying, I am imperfect. And, and, and of all the things he's experienced, even as he is beginning to approach the end of his life, he's still confessing his imperfection. He has yet to arrive. He's not obtained perfection. And that there, he's saying that there are spirit, still spiritual heights that he has to reach. This is huge. Because Paul is beginning to move into talking about what I'm calling pursuing the prize of Jesus Christ, namely eternal fellowship with him. And and in this verse, there's a huge point. There's a huge point. If if you take notes, this is something that, that just blew my mind. In pursuing the prize, perfection is never a path. In pursuing the prize, perfection is never a path. Now, let me go on an aside here. We're not just talking about legalism, okay? We have in the church... Legalism has been such a, 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 an ideology or an idea of kind of anti-biblical thought that we have railed on it, okay? But let me, let me go there for just a second, okay? I haven't read all of it, so don't ask me questions, but in C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters, um, I, I want to finish it. He, 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 basically, the premise, if you've read it, is a, a high-ranking demon is teaching a young protégé demon on how to distract humanity. And he says, you know what? Uh, humanity, the Christians are too devoted to Christ to fully move their focus from Christ. So, what you have to do to distract us is you have to convince them Jesus and. Jesus and this. Jesus and that. Jesus and a good financial situation. Jesus and a good home. Jesus and a healthy body. Jesus and a moral lifestyle. That's how you distract Christians. And this idea of legalism that we've railed on for so long is essentially that, that for you to attain salvation, to attain the prize coming, to fall in love with Christ, to be called into salvation with Christ, for that to happen, you've got to either reach Christ's standards or your standards, neither of which you'll ever meet. And so the whole purpose of the gospel, the whole foundation of the gospel and Christ's life and ministry on earth is now made obsolete. That's legalism, okay? Okay. It's I now bring something to the table. So Christ's death on the cross means nothing. Christ's resurrection means nothing. The Holy Spirit's seal means nothing. That I'm doing this on my own. And it's a complete defiance against the gospel. But I don't think Paul's just talking about that. There's an element of that, but I think I want to step back a little bit from legalism because I know many of you, and I know many of you run from that and as we as a church need to run from that. But this is what I've observed. (laughs) You find Christ. You're focused on Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You spend your time in the Word every day. You fall more in love with Him. You're crazy about the life-changing nature of really just being united to Christ. Then some time passes. You start missing your devotional time. You start getting frustrated that you haven't kept up with your devotional time. And you get frustrated that maybe you haven't prayed enough. And then you fall into temptation of something from the past. And you fall in again and again and again. And then you start to really not feel the salvation you once had. So you start to question your salvation. You're like, did I ever really have salvation? Because I'm not feeling the love I once had. And then you get frustrated. So then you're like, you know what? I've got to throw off this temptation, this struggle. I'm running back to Jesus. So you really start putting more of your worship and hope in spiritual disciplines. Like, if I just pray enough, if I just read scripture enough, then I'll be back on track. And in reality, you're worshiping spiritual disciplines more than Christ himself. And then you end up, or we end up, and I see this at Moody and I see this in the Bible Belt, you end up with more spiritually exhausted Christians than committed people following God. Jesus and. Spiritual disciplines can distract too. If it's not Jesus, 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 it's not salvation. So what Paul is getting at here is not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He's saying, "You know what? Uh, Christ is continually going to make me like himself as I grow closer toward the end of my life, but I'm never going to arrive till I get there. Even in the moment of my last breath, I will not have made it until I see Jesus. I'm imperfect. I'm fallen. And the moment we realize that is the moment we find freedom. (laughs) But we're scared of that. (laughs) We don't want freedom. It's way easier to see bars in front of us, because then at least we know where to go. Now, why is this possible? Because of grace. Lamentation says his mercies are new every morning. What Paul is getting at is this salvation thing is entirely devoted, is entirely a work of Christ in that while I press on to make it my own, I do my best as as, as a follower of Christ, ultimately what matters is Christ Jesus has made me his own. Now I'm not saying just go out and (laughs) and just do whatever because Christ has saved you. That's not what I'm saying. Read Romans. What we're saying here is we live our lives devoted to Christ as best we can and rest in the fact that he's pulled us into his arms. And he, and he doesn't stop there. He, he's such a savage. He goes on. Verses 13 and 14, he says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we have, in pursuing the prize, perfections never a path, and in pursuing the prize, we must exercise holy forgetfulness. <laughs> we have to exercise holy forgetfulness. Now I'm using this term here, just, it's, it just, just to, to exemplify what Paul is getting at. You all know Paul's past, right? You know how much, um, how he persecuted the church. He was Saul. He, he, he killed Christians because he felt they were not following law. He was, uh, he was taught under, I believe, his name Gamaliel, 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 Gamaliel uh, who was one of the best Jewish minds, whether he, you know, in, in, in philosophers of, of ever, <laughs> and he's considered one of the best minds. He was trained in Jewish law. Saul knew the law. He was converted. Christ comes before him and says, why are you persecuting me? Paul, Saul is converted, becomes Paul, and begins his ministry. Now, if we know Paul's past, can you imagine how much pain he must, felt, must have felt every day for the amount of lives of his brothers and sisters that he took? For the sake of the Jewish law? Can you imagine? I, I, I imagine this, like, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, I mean, I get, I get nervous about perhaps, like, the fib I told when I was 10. Paul slaughtered Christians and had to go about his ministry every day. So here's a question. Do you think Paul could have accomplished anything God had before him if he was obsessing over his former actions? He had to move forward with a lot what lies ahead. Of course not. He couldn't. Paul had to rest in the redeeming work of Christ in his life and throw off the shame and regret and hurt that Christ ultimately bore on the cross. Now, there's still going to be pain. There's still going to be hurt, and Paul struggles with that. We know that but he couldn't have accomplished anything Christ had before him if he didn't exercise holy forgetfulness, pressing forward to what Christ had before him. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. (laughs) What the Lord is teaching us through Paul is so foreign to us in the modern culture. We have no idea what it means to forget. We, have, we know how to forget keys and a cell phone, but we have no idea what it means to throw off shame. We have no idea what it means to throw off former past, to press into life in Christ and be dead to sin. We have no idea what that really looks like because we can't fathom what it actually means to forget. Let's look around a little bit. The most tangible place to see this is the political world. What's the first thing that society does when a candidate that they li- do not like starts running for some sort of office? They look back their entire life, find some sort of horrendous action, and disqualify them not just for the job, but for dignity. Or, or you go on Facebook and you have Facebook reminding you of a friend you haven't seen in 10 years that you that you really never talked to anymore. Or let's get even more real. We're mesmerized by testimonies filled with drug addiction, gang affiliations, violence, and so we maybe we watch like three minute videos we watch three-minute videos on, on, on you, know, you know, gang member comes to Christ, when maybe in reality that gang member doesn't want to be known by being a gang member. He wants to be known by being a Christ follower. Now, don't get me wrong. The redeeming work of Christ is amazing, and it, we have to look back to see where God has brought us. But we've got to press into what we are now. I had a friend in Chicago who... Who was part of who was part of a, a really really large gang association? And he would whenever people would say, "Oh, this guy, you know, used to be in a gang." He's like, "No, I'm I'm a, I'm a Christian. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know." We throw back the past and strain forward to what lies ahead. And the truth is, we don't just allow our paths to follow us. Oftentimes, our, our former path, we allow it to determine our future. This happened in the past, so I'm going to kind of navigate this way so this doesn't happen again. We're not often running to Christ, we're running from our past. And they are different. My friends, God has declared us righteous and called us into unity with him, and the safest place is with him, is running to him. Now let me clarify real fast. There are consequences for sin. I'm not saying if you're going to hire someone and they have a questionable legal past to say, oh, whatever. (laughs) There are consequences for sin, and some sin has more consequences than others. But what I am saying is Paul is exhorting us to throw off our past and strain forward to what lies ahead. And namely, the prize of eternity with him. In these verses, Paul is using athletic imagery. He's, he's he's using athletic imagery, which would have been relevant at the time because the Olympics began to kind of start around this time. They had races. And so Paul is kind of using this race imagery here that, that I forget what lies behind and I strain forward like a runner. You focus on the path ahead. You focus on the finish line and not the path behind you. My dad loves NASCAR. Really loves NASCAR. And Don't get me wrong, when you watch it on TV, it's uber boring. (laughs) Sorry, Dad. Now, he took me to a race a few years ago. uh, Several years back, actually. And now, in person, it's an amazing experience. Like, salt-of-the-earth people out there. Like, it is awesome, okay? Like, every time that car comes around that corner and you feel like the, the, the wind of awesomeness slapping you in the face, like, it's unbelievable, okay? It makes me want to eat a corn dog or two right now, actually. It's awesome. And we didn't get to, get to go to a race. We got to go in the garages. We got to look at these cars, and guys, they have these massive engines with, like, half a million horsepower and, like, like insane. That's not true. Don't, don't take my word for that. And then, like, like, just these massive tires that are really wide for grip and, and, and all these things. But you know what I noticed about the cars? Few of them, if at all, Had rearview mirrors. They didn't have side mirrors. Because in a NASCAR race, whatever happens behind you has no effect on what's coming up ahead of you. They just have to focus on driving forward. Now here's the problem, if you're following me here, too often many of us are in a NASCAR race of faith and we're driving by looking in the rearview mirror. You know what happens when you do that? You crash. You're not looking forward. You're looking in the rearview mirror. Christ is forward. Your path is behind you. But we are fixated on the rearview mirror when there's a whole windshield of awesome, amazing things that God's going to do right in front of us. This is what Paul is getting at. So Before we move on, a question right now I want you to be thinking out is what part of your past, what what thing in your past, what struggle... um, What are you obsessing over? What element of your past is taking priority over your future with Christ? Where are you not allowing yourself to move on? My friends, we have got to stop living our lives focused on the road behind and keep our eyes on the destination, namely the prize to come with eternity in Christ. There is far more hope and joy that comes with that mentality. Paul is getting at with 13 or 14, and then he moves on to 15 and 16. Verse 15 says, "This let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So, in pursuing the prize, perfection is never a path. In pursuing the prize, we must exercise holy forgetfulness, and in pursuing the prize." It's not about you. See, up to this point in, in the section, Paul is, has emphasized focusing on the end goal. He's, he's emphasizing how, uh, and on how we have to forget the past strain forward like we just talked about. And now he's saying, look, mature believers who can continue to walk with God in those areas that you're not at that moment, he's gonna re- God will reveal that to you. And then what you have to do is, re- is hold on to what you've attained namely Jesus Christ. In other words, as we walk through life or pursue the prize, as i am been saying, we must keep focused on the prize and the destination. If we let any part of us not do so, we become distracted and this is when God convicts us of distraction, all for the purpose of keeping us focused on the goal. So conviction's a really good thing. And so those moments in life where you start feeling conviction isn't, it's not like, oh, why am I still suffering with this shame? Sometimes it's God saying, hey, focus on me, kid. Focus on me. Growing up in in, in the Wilkie family, we went on tons of road trips. Uh, And and it was kind of something that my my family kind of established early on to to have time away from ministry and just focus on one another for a week or two a year. And so with these road trips, we got to go to some, some neat places all over the U.S., but with these road trips came tons of driving. And if you know me at all, you know I'm very impatient. <laughs> and so, so I would have to, I would struggle with how long and long and hours and hours these drives would go, and I would usually ask, are we there yet, are we there yet? And I'd get bored, and I'd play a video game for 10 minutes, and then I'd get bored again. I'd watch a movie for 10 minutes, I'd get bored again. And I was so impatient. Well, as I've grown up, and, and I started traveling a little bit for magic and other stuff, I learned that in traveling and, and, and driving for a long amount of time, the trip isn't nearly as bad as when you focus on where you're going. Now, there could be plenty of obstacles along the way. I remember I had a, I had a gig in, outside of New York one time, and, and we had delay. I had delays, and it was a snowstorm and, and car busted cars, it was exhausting, there was a lot going on, but I was so excited just to get to New York that the trip wasn't that bad. Now, let's think about this in terms of our life with Christ. Oftentimes, we're obsessed with the snowstorms of life that we're not even thinking about the eternity to come in the future. We think the snowstorms as good as it gets, but I am here to tell you as a follower of Christ, not as a Moody Bible Institute student or as an intern or anything or any of these things, I am here to tell you that it gets better. That the snowstorm you might be in right now, the plane delay, it might smell weird, it might be uncomfortable, but that is not the end, people. In fact, that message is so powerful, God became flesh to tell it. got to focus on the destination in our spiritual walk, not the obstacles along the way. We have to focus on the prize, because we live in a fallen world, with fallen people, and we will get overwhelmed. There will be exhausting moments. We will get frustrated with our families, with our friends, with our jobs, with God, But as as Paul says, all of that means nothing when compared to the glory of knowing Christ. No matter what happens politically, or if you're stricken with cancer, if your life is demolished by the consequences of sin, if you're in the midst of suffering, with depression, with anxiety, with hurt, whatever, none of that even can touch what's to come. Francis Chan had an amazing illustration, you should go check it out on YouTube if you have time, where he had like this 10-foot rope, and, 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 and like basically he had like a little red tip at the end, right? And then he had like 10 feet of white rope. And he said, okay, let's say the red tip is, is our life on earth and the, the rope is eternity. We're often focused on the red tip, not with the 10 other feet of rope coming to us. And I love this illustration. I run back to this illustration because it reminds us that this this, this 70, 80 years we each have here is merely a blink in what's to come. And if you're anything like me, you get caught up in the moments of anxiety and hurt and pain and exhaustion that you just forget what's to come. And as I was reading through this, I was reminded of the prize. So for the next few few moments, I'm going to read the prize to you. I want you to listen to it. It comes out of Revelation 5. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to follow along, but Revelation 5 says this. We're going to read the chapter. Then I saw, this is Paul, or uh, excuse me, John speaking. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. Remember these are these are uh, it's a vision that John has, so there's a lot of um, illustrative language here. Just keep that in mind. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, "Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals?" And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. from every language, from every people, and every nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might at forever and ever and all four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. Cancer ain't got nothing on that. <laughs> nothing but yet we get caught up in the moments that we don't see what's coming, guys. This is it. My friends, the prize we are running toward is not happiness or a big family or a large house with lots and lots of food or a big football field or a conservative government or a liberal government or financial security or physical health or anything in this world. No, we are striving toward eternal fellowship with Jesus Christ. And you know how excited God is for that? He sent you the Holy Spirit to give you a foretaste of what's to come. He's saying, I'm so excited. You're going to get the seal of the Holy Spirit so that my triune relationship can grow a little bit so you can experience that relationship. I know it's still going to hurt because you're fallen and you live on earth, but you get to taste what's coming, y'all. If you are a believer and your life has been touched by the blood poured out on the cross and you've been brought from death and sin to life in Christ, you are now bound, not just in this life, but in the life to come in unity by the seal of the Holy Spirit, sharing in the fellowship with the triune Godhead. Let me be Bible school for a moment. Look, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you're now a part of that relationship that even the angels don't experience. So let us, myself included, we have to live our lives like we have actually been changed by the Creator, by the Lamb, by the one who sits at the right hand of God, the one who is worthy to open the scroll. We are no longer bound to this world. We are des- destined for fellowship with Jesus. Does that not rock your world? I spent four years at one of the top Bible schools in the country. It was an amazing, amazing privilege that was super humbling. I'm about to start four more years at uh, one of the, the, the most extensive Baptist preaching and theology programs in the U.S. And I'm really excited because I'm an A.K. And I may, maybe by the Lord willing, I may go on to acquire another degree, um, maybe like a doctor of theology, because I love this stuff. But let me tell you, of all the academic knowledge that I learned, of all the egghead stuff that I talked about on Wednesday nights last summer and all that stuff, all of that means nothing. This is the answer. Ready? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> that's it. You know how you always say, oh, that's just the Bible school answer, or that's the Sunday school answer. I found out if you want to get an answer to write in a Bible school exam, you just write Jesus, because that's it. It all culminates at that one point, Jesus Christ on the cross. And then resurrected. You know, he breathed life into this world. He breathed life into your lungs, and he breathed life into your soul, and he will breathe life into your new body that will never decay for the sole purpose of you being in fellowship with him. So let us remember. All right, let's, don't forget this part. Remember this part. Forget the past, strain to the future. Remember, we will never be perfect until the next life. I know some of you are like, I know. Just look for your life and just there's gonna be areas where we struggle with this. We all do. We will never be perfect until the next life. Therefore, we have to forget what lies behind and strive for what lies ahead, which is the prize of faith. His name is Jesus Christ, and I can't wait. So I finish with this question. If you leave perfection, extending the same grace to yourself that God extends to you. You leave the past in the past and you focus on what's to come. What changes? Now, actually answer this question in your head for me. Do me a favor. Actually answer this. If you start focusing on the end prize, what's going to change in your life? Hear me out. I spent a few hours thinking about this question, and I started seeing a lot of things that could change. What changes? What needs to change? What past event, present struggle, or future distraction is getting in the way of locking focus on the prize to come in Jesus Christ? Not that I have already obtained this, or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Let us live out what we believe. Let our heart and mind connect. And when our heart fails us, let's lean further into Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Father, how <laughs> how excited we are for, for the, the actualization of Revelation 5, God. The realization of that, to, to see the, the one who is worthy of opening the scroll. A lamb who has looked as if he'd been slain. God, thank you for sending your son to not just die on a cross and And be resurrected defeating death and sin but thank you for 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 living life and ministry on this earth suffering in temptation suffering in growth suffering in the whole human experience and sanctifying it all in yourself making it perfect so that we can be then declared perfect in your sight god i know through my own experience that it's so hard to focus on living for you when we often don't meet up to our own standards god so i pray that we begin to deny ourselves and focus more on you because we know even our own pursuits can be fallen but we know that your pursuit is holy so god i ask as we go from this place as we go into bible study groups and we have discussions we go to lunch we talk about this god that this doesn't just stick here but we remember this every moment and every day that what is to come that every work every job every day every every relationship all of that has an eternal factor in it in that it's just a stepping stone into our relationship with you let us treat one another like we believe it let us treat our friends our non-believer friends let us not get bogged down by distractions of this world or the snowstorms of this life God but let us be as crazy about you as Cubs fans are for the Cubs and God I ask if there's anyone in here who does not know you, you call them to yourself now you change hearts and that to those who have not yet seen you you reveal yourself father we love you and thank you for this time it's in your name that we pray amen you guys are dismissed bible study bible study groups will start in 10 minutes